Blog Talk Radio. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. Forgive me, I'm coming on a little bit late uh, this evening, but I'm on nevertheless. I just want to welcome you in the name that's above every other name, the name of Jesus. What a wonderful name, uh, the name that um, is so powerful and is so loving and is so kind and so rich and so pure. There's no other name like the name of Jesus. So you're on this evening within the word with your sister Pearl. And we're about to complete, prayerfully, we can complete our series that we've been doing on the Beatitudes of Christ. This is the wonderful Sermon on the Mount that the Lord gave us, and uh, we're so happy to be able to continue with it. Now, I want to give a big uh, Reaching Out Radio International uh, greeting to everyone that's listening from all around the world. I'm not going to take the time to go to the many different nations and continents that you're listening in from, but I do want to welcome you and tell you how very much um, I am so happy to have you to join us. And I pray that the Spirit of the living God 
will have something very, very unique and special for you that are listening. If this is the very first time you're listening, I pray it will not be your last, but that you will continue to uh, listen in and um, share with us the wonderful things of God. I want to give a very warm welcome to um, a very special lady that without her, uh, I don't I don't believe I would be on this program, and that's Evangelist Montel Fields. I'm going to ask for all of our listening radio audience around the globe, would you please pray for Evangelist Montel, especially pray for some of her family members that have been really challenged with their health um, this these past few days. Very, very challenging. I pray that uh, the, the Lord of the harvest, the Lord that is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who is our healer, that he will sovereignly uh, heal and deliver uh, her and her, especially her family members, in a wonderful, wonderful way. And so we're going to go straight now and uh, go into our word. And uh, I'm going to pray, actually, to start the word today. I'm going to pray, and I will pray also for Evangelist Montel Fields, her dad, the sister, um, daughter, and so many loved ones. Heavenly Father, in the wonderful name of Jesus, I just want to thank you for being such a gracious and a wonderful God to us. There is no one like you in the entire world. And I pray, God, that you would um, be with us in a very special way today as we share the great word that you have placed in our hearts. And we're going to attempt to finish the Beatitudes of Christ. Lord God, I pray for your healing hand, uh, a miraculous hand of mercy upon Evangelist Montel's family members, everyone, her dad, her sister, um, everyone that stands in uh, the need of prayer today. God, that you will sovereignly just heal them. We come against sickness. We come against disease. We come against all kinds of things that are contrary to your spirit. And not only for Evangelist Montel, but I pray for all of our listening audience that whoever is listening in right now and is being challenged in their physical body or their mind or their emotions or their heart, God, that you will just reach out and touch them. We know that you're our great physician and you have a way of making all things well and all things whole. So we ask that you would beat back the forces of darkness today around the world and cause your people to receive the healing touch from you. I pray that you'd open up our understanding as we get into the word of God today, especially anoint your handmaiden so that when I speak, these words would not fall on deaf ears, but that you would captivate every heart that is listening and cause each man and woman to come to you, Lord Jesus, and to come even closer than they were before uh, prior to listening to this word. We thank you for your great message, uh, the Beatitudes on uh, the Mount, and we just pray, God, that you'd make them alive to us today, help them to apply it to our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. So tonight we're going to go straight in and we're going to continue with the word of God in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. Blessed are the merciful for they 
shall receive mercy. So I want to to read a special portion of scripture uh, because of this. And I pray that you just bear with me. I think this is one, perhaps one of the very best parables I can think of that really exemplifies uh, the difference between being merciful and not being merciful. Amen? And it's the parable of the unmerciful servant. Then Jesus, then Peter, I'm sorry, then Peter came to Jesus and he asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You, servant, he said, I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Wow. And what a, what, what a parable. Isn't that something? Look at this. And I want to, um, you know, I forgot to tell you exactly where uh, that, portion of scripture where I got that from. So I'm going to look it up real fast and tell you exactly uh, where I got that from, because I want you to be able to to see this for yourself. Uh, it, 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 it's amazing how he wanted so much forgiveness from the Lord, and yet he was not willing to do the same thing for someone else. So what I just read for you was from Matthew chapter 18 verses 21 to verses 35. Again, Matthew chapter 18 verses 21 through 
35, and it's wonderful for you to go, uh, you have an opportunity, not right now, and read this for yourself. Now, let's just look at a couple of things, and we're talking about this beatitude where Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Now, when we look at this story, it's very, very clear that in verse 23, it says as, the, as he began the settlement, verse 24, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold. Now, 10,000 bags of gold in those days or even in today's is very different from 100 silver coins. You're talking about 10,000 bags of gold. That's a lot of money. I don't know exactly how much that would amount to today, but I know that 10,000 bags of gold, no matter how small those bags are, but if you have 10,000 bags of gold, that's worth much more than 100 silver coins goes this unmerciful servant that owes so much money to the person, his master, that he borrowed it from. Now, remember, because he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he would, um, he and his wife and his children and all that he had not be thrown into prison, but be sold in order to repay the debt. And yet when he begged his master to have mercy on him, the master took pity on him. He literally canceled, listen to this, he canceled the debt. He didn't just say, okay, I will give you an extension on the debt. He wiped it out. He cleaned it off. It was as if this man had no more debt to pay back. But yet, after receiving such a tremendous blessing of having his huge financial debt wiped clean and forgiven by his master, the same servant, when he left the master's presence, he went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him only a hundred silver coins. And not only did he tell him to pay him back, the Bible says he grabbed him to choke the man. And as he's choking him, he's telling him, pay back what you owe. Now, when that fellow servant fell to his knees and begged this man, he said the same words, be patient to me, with me, and I will pay it back. Hmm. My goodness. Here goes someone who had just come from receiving at a tremendous amount of patience, and not only patience, but mercy. My goodness. Not only did his master tell him that, okay, I will no longer sell you and your family so that by the money I sell, sell you for, I can pay off the debt. No. 
he said, I will set you free and I will cancel, absolutely cancel your debt. So you would think that a man that has been so blessed and has received so much mercy, he now in turn would be happy to extend that type of mercy, even though it's for so much less that was owed to him, you would think that he would be doing the same. But no, he refused. He went off. He had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. That was so very small in comparison to what he had owed his master. Now, the good thing about it in verse 31, when the other servants saw what had happened, Of course, they were so angry and they were so disgusted. They were so appalled that they went and told their master everything that had happened. The master called that servant in and he said, I canceled all of your debt because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant the same way that I had showed mercy to you? And at that time, the master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured, not just to be sold. Now he's going to put him in prison, and he's going to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owes. And again, for the second time, I'm going to read verse 35. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you are able to forgive your brother or your sister from the heart. Wow. There's not a lot that Sister Pearl needs to say after that. What tremendous blessing. What tremendous blessing. What tremendous blessing has uh, been bestowed to each one of us by our Heavenly Father. We have owed him our very, very life. We have owed him everything, and yet he has so freely forgiven us from everything that we have done, from every trespass, from every sin, from every wickedness, from every evil. If we have murdered somebody and taken their life, and in genuine repentance, we have turned from our wicked ways, and we've cried out to Jesus, and we've asked Jesus to forgive us, The Lord has forgiven us. It's as if we have never killed anyone, even though we did. And 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 I don't mean just physical killing, God forgives for that, but he also forgives for killing somebody's reputation, killing somebody's spirit, killing somebody's mind by horrible treatment. God is willing to forgive that. Uh, uh stealing somebody's property, stealing somebody's family stealing somebody's uh, belongings, God is willing to forgive that. And whatever it is, whatever evil that we have done, if we are penitent, if we are sorry, if we are really willing to confess those sins to the Lord and to those whom we've offended, God is able to forgive us. But we have to be able to forgive our brother and our sister from our heart. Because if we don't, the Lord says he will treat us in the same way that we forgive our brother and our sister. That could be a physical brother or sister. That could be a sister or brother in the Lord. 
that could be your neighbor, that could be your employer, your employee, your husband, your wife, your child, uh, your family member, a coworker, uh, a fellow student, a teacher, uh, whoever. We need to be able to forgive. And the only way that we can really forgive is through the blood of Jesus, through the blood of Jesus. And his blood applied to our hearts helps us to forgive. Now, sometimes you do have to walk away from people that are, are not repentant. They, they don't mean uh, to change. They, they don't mean to humble themselves. Sometimes you have to walk away from those kinds of people just to keep the peace. But you must be willing to forgive. And so uh, we don't want for our Heavenly Father not to forgive us. So please, I urge you, be willing to forgive your brother, your sister, whoever you, who owed you a tremendous uh, amount and whoever did tremendous hurt to you. Be willing to forgive them in the name of the Lord Jesus. And maybe one, one uh, program, we'll just talk about forgiveness. But be willing to forgive them so that your Heavenly Father um, can forgive you. Because it says, in the same way that you treat one another, he says God's going to have to um, treat you in that same way. So we don't want God not to forgive us. We want to always receive the forgiveness of God. So please Let's forgive our brother and our sister, our neighbor, our coworker, whoever it is, that other, that other human being. We want to be able to forgive them from our heart. Okay, so let's go into uh, verse 8 of Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the poor in heart, for they will see God. We don't hear a lot about this today, being pure in heart, but it's important that we stay pure in heart. The Bible uses the word heart to refer to the emotions. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. This means we don't need to worry or freak out. The word heart can also refer to the intellect. Proverbs 23, verse 7 says, as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Hebrews 4:12 talks about the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Finally, the word heart can also refer to the will. Daniel chapter 1 verse 8 says, Daniel purposed in his heart. When he put this all together, the human heart refers to the innermost being. In Proverbs we read, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. That's from Proverbs 4 and 23. The problem with the human heart is that it is sinful. And we learned that from Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. Then the Lord saw the wickedness, here it goes, the wickedness of mankind was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of their hearts was only evil continually. Wow. So you might say, well, you know, I, you know God knows my heart. Yes, he does. God knows mine too. And both of our hearts, are desperately wicked. The Bible tells us that in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Matthew 15, 19. The heart is
is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick can understand it. Wow. Psalm 51, verse 10. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. That's my prayer. That was the prayer of King David of old when he said, God created me a pure heart. Now, remember that David was a man that God said was after his own heart. And David cried out and said to the Lord, create, make inside of me, put inside of me clean and pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. This is what you and I should be praying every day. Not telling the Lord how wonderful our hearts are because that's being deceptive but asking God to create in us a pure heart, one that is pleasing to his heart. Trust in the Lord. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not, do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Again, that is from Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 6. That's one of my favorite verses. I have several favorites. That's one of them. I'm going to read it one more time. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your your path straight. He will direct your path. He will make the way straight before you. So we want God to give us a pure heart, that inside of us, which refers to our emotions, our intellects, our deepest thoughts, uh, and the intents of these thoughts, where they, the source of these thoughts. We want them to be pure, and we want to be very protective of our hearts guard them because remember we read in Proverbs uh, 4.23 that everything we do flows from our heart. So again, I'm going to, I want to quote Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And, and, and God's promise to us is that as we maintain and seek, I should say, Seek and then maintain a pure, a pureness of heart before God, a humility of heart before God. God promises that we will see God. And when he says that, he means it in a good way. We will see God, meaning we will be with the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? So let's go on to another a very wonderful uh, beatitude. Verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called sons of God, a child of God, a son of God, a daughter of God, don't you? Well, what is peace word? What does peace mean? It means a state of national tra- tranquility. Uh, it means an exemption from rage and havoc of war. It could mean peace between individuals, harmony, concord, being in one accord, security, Safety, 
prosperity, felicity, because peace and harmony make and keep things safe and prosperous. And of the Messiah's peace, it's talking about the peace that leads uh, to salvation. Of Christianity, the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing not from God, content with its earthly lot, whatsoever sort that is. The blessed state of devout and upright men after um, and upright men. Amen? So the peacemakers. Uh, if I read from Brown Driver Briggs um, Dictionary, it, it means completeness, soundness, welfare. Uh, it means friendship. It means with God, especially in covenant relationship. It means having peace from war. So in this beatitude of Christ, it can be seen in more than one way. First, those who bring the gospel of Christ are those who offer the opportunity for a man to be reconciled, or a woman, of course, to be reconciled to Christ. So we have peace. I bring the gospel. I'm a peacemaker. Amen. And I'm called a daughter of God, a son of God. And so we look at the peace that can be made when a person is reconciled, brought back to a right relationship with Jesus Christ. So when I present the gospel, I am a peacemaker automatically because I'm offering the opportunity for man to be brought back to God. A man or woman that was previously separated from God now has peace through the propitiation which Christ made. And propitiation, that word means atoning for our sin, making a sacrifice for our sin so that we will no longer be in a sinful state but can be forgiven of our sin. And that is made possible only through the shed blood that Jesus shed for us on Calvary's cross. So that is the first and the most uh, radical peacemaker of all, the person who presents the gospel, the person who preaches and teaches the gospel, the person who exemplifies a life that is led by the, the teachings of Christ. Now we read in Second Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 19, now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their, trans their trespasses against them as he had committed to us the word of reconciliation. For he himself, I'm going to read now from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16, for he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile both in one body to God through the cross by it having put to death the enmity. And then... There's another kind of peacemaker, beloved listeners of Reaching Out Radio International. 
And that's the peacemaker who strives for civility and reconciliation between a man and man or community with another community, between differing people groups, tribes, nations, families, and sometimes even between churches or between believers. I remember one time in particular uh, when there were many differing, listen to this, mission groups. Many of these people had traveled from around the world, and they were living in a a smaller country that was right outside of the largest communist nation in the world. And so these missionaries had come from uh, um, America, Canada, Europe, African nations, um, you name it, they were there. And through a tragic state of affairs, um, all of a sudden those, those missionaries were at each other's throats. Sometimes they weren't even talking to other missionaries. So one missionary that was around and ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ at that time, this particular individual noticed what was going on and was very grieved about it. And so uh, this person began to pray and seek the will of God as to what should be done about um, this horrible situation. Because now you're talking about not just any people, but people that are proclaiming the gospel of Christ uh, from different um, mission groups, and they're not talking to one another. So this is exactly what the enemy would love. And this particular person uh, really sought the face of the Lord about it, began to pray, and and this person wrote a letter. And, and that particular missionary asked each of the differing uh, missionaries to look at the letter and if they were willing to sign the letter. And the letter was very was written in such a way that any missionary would be ashamed not to sign that letter. So the missionaries began to put their signatures to the letter. And and the letter also had asked that they would meet place a particular time. And they did meet and they did seek God's face. And they did even ask God to help them to forgive one another. I was at that meeting and I saw people that were not talking to each other for months begin to grab each other and hug one another and cry and weep because God had done something wonderful and he had broke that, that hard wall between these missionaries and they began to see how horrible it was that they were not talking with one another and not um, forgiving one another. Why? Because the Bible says that the world will look at the Christians and how we love one another. And then that love that we have for each other will, will let them know that we are God's children. And so thank God for the peacemaker at that time that was able to gather these missionaries together. Blessed peacemaker. Amen. For that person is called a child of God. Amen? So wherever you have and whenever you have the opportunity, seek to be a peacemaker. Not to be a troublemaker, but to be a peacemaker for the glory of God. And you will be called a child of God. Now, it's not just for the honor of you being called a child of God, but people will respect 
your God, and they will want to come to know your God. And that is going to cause people to follow Jesus. So it's so important to be a peacemaker whenever you have the opportunity. Okay, so let's go to uh, verses are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then verse 11, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for in this same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I'm going to add this last beatitude that was found in verse 11 to the one directly preceding it, mainly because verse 11 is basically elaborating on what it looks like to be persecuted for righteousness' sake. Persecuted means that people are going to revile us. They're going to put us down. They're going to look down on us. They're going to say all kinds of evil um, about us. They're going to lie on us. They're going to try to twist who we really are. They're going to try to distort our reputation and our character. And sometimes they do it out of their own evil, and they do it out of their own sickness. They do it out of their own hurt. The Bible says, just to encourage you, in Luke chapter 7, verse 34, the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say, behold, a gluttonous man and a heavy drinker, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. So, you know what? We know that Jesus was not a glutton. He was not a drunkard. And yet, people called him that. And also, in Mark chapter 14, in verses 56 through 58, it reads like this. Many people were giving false testimony against him. And who is the him that's being spoken of in this passage of Scripture? No less than Jesus Christ himself. Many people were giving false testimony against Christ, and so their testimonies were not consistent. And then some stood up and began giving false testimony against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that was made by hands, and in three days I will build another made without hands. Um, Potiphar's wife lied about Joseph in the Bible. I don't have the time to get into this scripture, but I want you, I challenge you to go to the book of Genesis and read the account of Joseph in the Bible. Amen? Look it up in the first book in the Old Testament, this, the wonderful story about Joseph. Now, Joseph was a man that was betrayed by his own brethren. We're not going to talk about Joseph tonight, but I want to talk about being persecuted. And so, Joseph was sold into slavery by his own brethren. And when he got into, um, when he became a slave, he, he went into a man's house, a man by the name of Potiphar as a slave. But Potiphar saw something wonderful about this Jewish man named Joseph, 
and um, he put him in charge of everything in his home. Now, when you go and read that story in the Bible, you will find that Potiphar's wife really began to lust after this handsome young man in the house, and she lied on Joseph. She lied. Have you ever been lied on? I have. I've been lied about. People have called me this, called me something else. And, you know, the beauty of it is, is when you're not guilty of those evil things that they say about you, of the wrong things that they say about you. Because the Bible talks about being persecuted for righteousness' sake. Now, I've been persecuted for righteousness' sake. And there's others around the world that have been persecuted. There are many, many people that are persecuted for righteousness' sake because of their right-standing position with God. And people hate them just because of that, just because of that. And so they will tell lies on them. Potiphar's wife lied about Joseph because Joseph was not willing to be getting himself involved in a fornicating, adulterous relationship with a woman that was not his wife. Good on Joseph. But she was so angry that she lied and told her husband that Joseph tried to rape her. Nothing could have been further from the truth. And let me just say to you that have been lied about and said was not true, be at peace because the God that we serve, he sees and he knows all. He knows that you are not guilty. He knows that you're innocent. And I want to say to all of you that profess to be Christians, be very careful if you claim to be a follower of Christ and yet you are the ones giving false witness and insult God's people or anyone else for that matter. Let it never be said that you were speaking all kinds of evil against sometimes this persecution can come from members of your own family. Now, this is the very worst and the most painful type of persecution. And Jesus even mentioned it in Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 to 39. A man, do not suppose, he said in verse 34, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. I've come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me. Excuse me, I had to take a, a drink of water. Thank you. Anyone that loves mother or father more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. I just read Matthew 10, 34 to 39. And when it says that the Lord is not coming to bring peace to the earth, yes, God has brought peace to the earth because he brought the message of the gospel to the earth because he came to the earth. But it means that when you follow Jesus, you're going to automatically be at odds 
with the people that don't want to follow Jesus. So if your father does not want to follow Jesus, but you want to follow Jesus, and your father is following the world or the devil, then, of course, you're going to be put at odds against your own father. Not that you want to be, but it automatically happens. He's not going to be in agreement with you following Jesus. Your your daughter uh, is not going to be in agreement with the mother if the mother is not following Jesus, but the daughter is, or vice versa. If the mother is following Jesus and the daughter is not, or the mother-in-law is following and the daughter-in-law is not. So sometimes a man's enemies will be the very members of his own household. This is tragic. Tell the believer that's in that household, just pray and show the love of Christ to that family member and pray that God will melt all of the coldness that they have against the gospel and bring them to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I also want to read to you from Psalm 55, verses 1. I'm going to start. Listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. My thoughts trouble me. I am distraught because of what my enemy is saying. So God understands. Let me just stop there. God understands what your enemy is saying. Go on to verse 3. Because of the threats of the wicked, for they bring down suffering on me and assail me in their anger. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen on me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. I said, oh, that I had the wings of a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. I would hurry to my place of shelter, far from the tempest and storm. Lord, confuse the wicked, confound their words, for I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they prowl about on all on its walls. Malice and abuse are within it. Destructive forces are at work in the city. Threats and lies never leave its streets. If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. For a foe were rising against me. If a foe was rising against me, I could hide. Verse 13 of Psalm 55. But it is you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, my brother, with whom I also enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God as we walked about among the worshipers. And you can continue to read uh, the rest of Psalm 55 on your own. This is the worst type of persecution when you get it from close people, from people that you love so very much or people that you've done so very much for and now they've turned on you, they've betrayed you, they're persecuting you. They've come in alignment with somebody else who has a problem with you. Just know that Jesus said, blessed are those when you are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Amen? Um, blessed are, the, are you when people insult you. They persecute you. They falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. When you're living for Jesus, sometimes people automatically hate you just because you love the Lord. In your community, by your relatives, in your school, in your college, in your university, even in your own church, if a person sees that you really are sold out to Christ and they're not, they're probably living a double life. They say one thing and living something else. Something in their spirit can't stand you. They don't like you. They, they begin to persecute you. They begin to say evil things about you because they know what they're doing. 
Jesus said, if you're going through persecution because of your right relationship with Jesus and because you love God, you and I, we need to rejoice because yours kingdom of heaven. You and I are living in a day now when persecution is going to be in the church. The church will be persecuted, I believe, um, in future years that are not too long from now, like never before. Even though the church has been persecuted in closed nations, yes, but we're going to be more persecuted, I believe, just before the coming of the Lord Jesus. So what should be our attitude when people are saying all kinds of horrible things about us, persecute us, they lie on us. They even, I've even had people say bad things about me in front of my own daughter and, and, and revile my reputation and say the worst things that, you know, I'm like this and I'm like that. And they've said it in front of the very child that I've raised because it did not come from a loving heart. It did not come from a peaceful heart. It came from a heart that unfortunately right now is not right with God. So what should my position be? What should your position be when you and I are cuted because of our relationship with Jesus Christ? Sometimes people are jealous just because we have that kind of a tight walk with God. They can see the hand of God on your life. They can see the hand of God on my life. And instead of them running into Jesus and finding out how they too might become close to the Lord, they begin to gossip. They begin to revile us. They begin to pick. They begin to find all kinds of evil and say all kinds of things and find the worst thing to say about our character and about who we are. The Lord reminded me as I was doing this message, preparing it for you, is that I need to rejoice at those times when I am being persecuted simply because of righteousness' sake. Kingdom of heaven belongs to me. The kingdom of heaven belongs to you, precious man of God, precious daughter of God, precious child of God. We're not going to live down on this earth forever. This is just a short time that you and I are given to live on planet earth. At the very most, we can, we can look to, to hopefully we can live to 120 years in, if, if, if we are in health, if we're in very good health. Most of us will not live. 120 years. Most of us hope to live to, to touch at least 70. Some of us will live to be um, 80 in our 90s. That's a big blessing. But we don't have thousands of years to live here. We have an eternity to live with Jesus Christ. So let's rejoice when we're being persecuted and let's remember that the kingdom of heaven is ours if we're being persecuted for righteousness' sake, for our right standing and our right position with Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, I pray for every man and every woman that's been listening to this message. 
I pray, oh God, that you will embrace them. I pray, God, that you will uh, help us to have uh, a gentle heart, to be merciful with others, to forgive, knowing that uh, you are going to forgive us the way that we forgive other people. Dear Lord, help us to be peacemakers so that we can be called your children. Uh, Help us to reconcile men and women back to Christ so that there might be peace between you and them. God, I pray that uh, we will be peacemakers in our neighborhoods, among our coworkers, among our family members, that we will uh, remember that you said that we're to be blessed if we're persecuted for the sake of righteousness because the kingdom of heaven belongs to us. You reminded us that we need to rejoice, not get sad. We need to rejoice and be glad when people insult us and persecute us and falsely say all kinds of evil against us. We need to rejoice, not be sad. God, help us, Jesus, to rejoice and be glad for our reward in heaven is great. Hallelujah. And in the same way, you said they persecuted the prophets who who went and were before us my brothers and my sisters that are living in closed nations, closed to the gospel, but open to you. Lord God, I pray for those people that are listening that are being persecuted and will be persecuted because they choose to have a right relationship with you. God, I pray that they will not be sad or downhearted, but they will rejoice and help me to be rejoicing and help everybody to be rejoicing when we are persecuted for the right reasons, because we belong to Jesus and because we're trying to follow the Lord. Help those that are in colleges and universities that are so contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ and and these young people in colleges and universities are being persecuted and being called all terrible kinds of names because they want to represent Jesus Christ. God, help them not to be discouraged. Help them to be encouraged. So whether it's by a community uh, situation or in our own home or because of a relative or at school or in college or on our jobs, um, wherever it is, God, help us to know that if we're being persecuted for righteousness sake, we need to have a position, place ourselves in a way that we can be rejoicing because the kingdom of heaven belongs to us. God, bless my brother and my sister that are going through very difficult challenges and are being severely persecuted. I pray that you protect them from those that would want to torture them, to those that would want to continue to hurt them, to those that would want to make it look like they're bad. God, I just pray that you protect them and watch over them and shield them, build a high fence of protection all around them, a hedge of protection all around them, that the enemy would not have his way with them, but that you would bless them beyond their greatest expectation. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. And we pray for everyone that's listening. If there's anyone listening that does does not have peace with God, that you, God, will help them to repent of their sins, to confess their sins before you, to to ask you to wash away all of their sins, 
and that you, because of the blood of Jesus, will come and forgive their sins. And Lord, send your Holy Spirit to to go and live with them so that they can, can begin to follow you and know how to live in a way that is pleasing and honors you. We know that we cannot live in any kind of way that pleases you unless we have your Holy Spirit that gives us the power to say no to the devil and to say yes to you, dear God. So, Father, we pray blessings upon the people all over the world that have listened to this message. This is the great sermon on the mount that you preached and that you taught. Blessed, 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 blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake because theirs is the very kingdom of heaven. May the Lord bless you, cause his favor to shine upon you, and give you great, great peace. Amen? No matter what you're experiencing, no matter who's telling you what, just know that you want to be one of those blessed ones and, the, again, the last one, blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness because yours is the kingdom of heaven. Until next week, this is your sister Pearl with Reaching Out Radio International in the word with your sister Pearl. God bless you. Have a phenomenal week. May heaven shine upon you and the Lord just direct your path in all that you do as you seek his face and you put your faith and your confidence and your trust completely in him. Until the next time, I love you very much, but Jesus loves you so much more. God bless you. Bye-bye.